Hey there, I'm Daphna Chazen, registered dietitian and weight loss coach, and you're listening to the Down to Earth PCOS Nutrition Podcast, a place for practical advice for women looking to balance their hormones, ditch dieting, and discover mindset shifts that will keep you motivated and empowered on your healthy eating journey. Are you ready to get started? Well, hey there and welcome back. I'm so glad you took the time today to listen in because we're going to be doing a training. I'm actually gonna be sharing a training from my PCOS Insiders group all about how to add carbs into every one of your meals in a smart and easy way so that you can eat the foods that you love and who doesn't love carbs and also reduce your body's demand for insulin all at the same time, which as you likely know, is a huge priority when managing PCOS. Now, before I talk more about what's included in today's episode, I wanted to let you know that the doors to my signature program, Reset Your PCOS, are now open. This is an eight-week nutrition coaching program where I teach you exactly how to reverse insulin resistance step-by-step, and on top of that, you of course get guidance and support from me directly and from the community of wonderful women that I have in this program, all women with PCOS who are looking to manage the condition, reverse insulin resistance, and have similar goals to yours, probably. We cover a lot of ground in Reset Your PCOS, including things like how to identify your carb tolerance, which is my method that I've perfected over the past 10 years to help women reverse insulin resistance, specifically when they have PCOS and symptoms like weight gain, belly fat, cravings, fatigue. So when we identify your carb tolerance, we not only are able to eat carbohydrates in a smarter way, we're going to be creating an entire meal plan around it that's going to be perfect for you. We also cover how to tame cravings, reduce hunger, and eating more while still managing your weight. And again, there's a lot of strategy behind how to eat more so you're not hungry, you don't have cravings, and you're not over-restricting and then overeating. And I teach you exactly how to do it in the program. We talk about how to master meal planning for PCOS. We talk about how to add PCOS superfoods into your day, what supplements would be perfect for your results that you're looking for. And we really take your whole entire nutrition into account in this program and help perfect it so that you can stay motivated, you can feel good about what you're eating, and you most importantly stay consistent and excited about your newly created lifestyle. Now, in addition to the video lessons, meal plans, recipes, supplement guides, worksheets, cheat sheets, and all the other resources that I have in the program, you get weekly group coaching sessions with me and access to our member-only Facebook group. You actually get access for 12 weeks, not just eight weeks of the course, into the Facebook group so that even after the course is over, You can ask questions, you can jump into the Facebook group and really um, interact with me and other other women in there. By the way, you also get lifetime access to all the materials. So even if you can't get started right away, once you join the program, you get lifetime access to all the materials, all the video lessons, and you're gonna be able to revert back to it, go back to it and really refresh if you need to in a year or five years or 10 years from now, as long as this program is still something that I do offer. You'll also be able to chat with me through my personalized app while you're in the program and of course keep track of your progress so you can build serious momentum as you balance your hormones and completely transform your health. Believe me, the results from this program are amazing. 
Now, if you know or suspect that you're insulin resistant and you're trying to manage your symptoms constantly and it just feels like a struggle every single day, I want you to check out this program today because doors are closing this week and will not be opening back up for a while. So this is your opportunity to draw a line in the sand and say, I want to learn how to take care of my body and I need clear information, I need guidance, and I need an easy to follow plan so that I can feel better ASAP. It can be exhausting to try to piece everything together on your own. So if you're on the internet, consulting Dr. Google, scrolling social media, you're probably second guessing your food choices because you're picking up mixed messages everywhere you go. Now, this will also mean that your healing journey will be longer. Anytime you spend time researching on your, by yourself, trying to do it on your own, it's going to take longer, it's going to be harder to sustain your changes because you don't have accountability and you don't have anyone to troubleshoot with when you get stuck. So I definitely want you to consider joining me inside Reset Your PCOS. You can find out all the details of what's included, the bonuses, the materials, everything that you're going to be getting over at DaphnaChazen.com forward slash reset. Okay, so now let's get into today's training. Again, it's from my Facebook group, PCOS Insiders. I talked all about how to become smart about adding carbs into each and every one of your meals because it is possible, it's actually recommended. And in this training, I teach you exactly what to look for, what types of carbs you wanna be adding, how to do it strategically so that you can enjoy the foods that you love without feeling fatigued after meals, without having cravings or increased weight and belly fat. And this is the magic of adding carbohydrates hydrates in a very smart and strategic way so that you don't have to feel restricted and deprived and you can still reduce insulin resistance without giving up gluten, sugar, or pasta or any of the foods that you really do enjoy. So are you ready? Let's do this. Good morning. How are you? I hope you're doing well. I hope you had a great week. Daphna here going live today. As always, every Thursday at 9.30 a.m., I'm gonna be here with a different topic, whether it's gonna be a Q&A session or a training like today we're doing. I will be here live to help you out if you're feeling stuck on your healing journey with PCOS, if you wanna optimize your diet, change what you're doing, find a new pattern, approach, you know, way to live in a healthier way with PCOS, I'll be here, I'm gonna help you through it. And today we have a really good topic that I'm excited to talk about, which is carbohydrates. So I know a lot of women are confused about carbohydrates and we always wanna hear more ways to add them into our diet because I don't know about you, I love carbs, I don't wanna ever give them up, I wanna incorporate them into my plan all the time and I want you to be able to do the same because carbs are healthy for you, believe it or not, they have the worst rep possible but they're actually really, really healthy and important for hormone health. So I see a lot of women who try to cut them, I see a lot of women who go keto, and I can understand why, I know why, it's everywhere, it's all we hear about, but at the end of the day, most women can't stick with those lower carb or no carb plans, nor are they good for for your hormones and for your PCOS, and we're gonna talk a little bit about why that is. Um, If you follow me, if you listen to my podcast, you know this is a topic I talk about a lot because I don't believe in restriction at all. I don't believe in diets, I don't believe in cutting foods out, I don't believe in allowed and unallowed food lists. Um, Someone DM'd me the other day 
a food list that they got in another PCOS Facebook group that had a very long list of foods that are not allowed. And she was saying she's feeling very anxious because a lot of the comments and the posts in the Facebook group are about how, you know, this food is not compliant or someone posts a picture of rice and they're like, no, this is not allowed. You're not in compliance with the plan. And that can create a lot of anxiety. It can create hopelessness because if everything you're doing is wrong, what are you supposed to do? And it also create, uh, creates a feeling of restriction and deprivation, which is really detrimental to health. When we feel deprived, when we feel restricted, when we feel we're not in compliance, we get frustrated, we lose hope, and we feel like a failure. And that's not a good state of mind to be in, especially when you're trying to change your habits. You wanna feel uplifted, positive, energetic, excited. You don't wanna feel like you're put in a box. And a lot of times when you cut carbs or you go on a certain diet that has very specific rules, it puts you in a box. And if you're deviating, if you're not compliant, so to speak, you're not following it. So you feel like you can't get it right. And that is again, not a good state of mind to be in because PCOS is a lifelong condition and you wanna be able to do something that's going to be sustainable. If something's hard to stick with, you're not gonna be there, right? You're gonna be going off track. You're gonna be feeling like you're deviating from the path. And again, you fall into this cycle of feeling like you can't get it right, you're a failure, you're frustrated, you're hopeless, and you feel like nothing's gonna ever work for you. That is not the case, I can tell you that right off the bat. So what I wanted to talk about today is specifically carbohydrates because this is where a lot of women feel anxiety around food, they feel um, frustration with how to add carbs, what carbs, are they good, are they bad, which ones? We're gonna talk all about that. And I just wanna say that with my feeling of not liking restriction, with my approach of non-diet, non-restriction, no food rules, I'm also not a dietitian who will tell you, eat whatever you want, okay? Eat whatever you want or do it intuitively or you know, if you wanna eat ice cream and chips all day, do that, that is okay. That is not my approach either because I do feel like a lot of people- Someone is at the front door. Oh, someone is at the front door, but I'm not gonna get it. So with my non-diet restriction, uh, non-restriction, plan and approach, I also don't go the other extreme and say, do whatever you want, it's all gonna work out. Because I see that a lot of women cannot eat intuitively. So I wanna know in the chat if you agree with this. If you feel like sometimes it's either the restriction path or the intuitive eating path, which is a lot more freedom and a lot more, um, you know, kinda do whatever you feel or what your body is telling you, I find that a lot of women can't relate to that because they do need guidelines. They do need help with exactly what to do and they do want the instruction. They do want the education about what's gonna work and what's not gonna work. And a lot of women are not in a place where they can eat intuitively. A lot of women are not in a place where they can you know, be um, going into a bag of chips and knowing exactly what is the right portion or knowing exactly when to stop based on their, how their body feels. A lot of women are not that in tune with their body yet. You can learn that, that's something that you can do, but sometimes you're not quite there in the beginning. So you do need more direction. You do need more guidance as to how to do it, which is what we're gonna do today. So. Hey Ashley, hey Krista. If you're here, say hi. Don't be, don't be snooty. Say hi in the chat. Um, intuitive eating does not work for me, Ashley says. A lot of women feel that way. And 
I can personally tell you that when I was struggling with my weight and with my hormones, a lot of you know I don't have PCOS, but I have a lot of PCOS symptoms. So I've struggled with, you know, uh, weight gain, belly fat, um, acne, hair growth, anxiety, um, high androgens. So this is something that when I was trying to change my diet a long time ago, I couldn't eat intuitively. I couldn't just look at a food and say, okay, I feel like I can, you know, have this food and just kind of listen to my body and know when to stop and then the rest of the day will be, will work itself out or whatever. So it, I, I know many women are not quite there. I know that it's not easy to do and I never expect someone to just rely on their intuition in order to eat healthy. Okay, so I do believe in some sort of guidance and that's what I provide. So today we're gonna to talk about how to incorporate carbs in five really smart ways, if I may say so myself. You're gonna, I'm gonna help you to really understand what is a good way, a healthy way to add carbs into your day. And this builds a little bit on my podcast episode for, from this week, which is all about your carb tolerance and how to identify it and what it is. So we're gonna build a little bit on that. If you haven't listened to that yet, you can go check it out after we're done. It's called, uh, my podcast is called Down to Earth PCOS Nutrition. And this week I talked about carb tolerance because it's a very core concept in the method that I teach women. And I wanted to share it again so that you can start thinking about adding back carbs or maybe tweaking what you're doing right now to make it better, okay? So I want you to tell me in the chat before we get started with the five strategies, when you think of the word carbs, carbohydrates, what comes to mind? What is the first thing that comes to mind, one word or two words that comes to mind when you hear the word carbs, okay? I want you to put it into the chat and I want you to tell me. And I also want you to tell me if you've ever done keto or a very low carb diet. And this is really important. There is a big difference between plans like keto or very low carbohydrate diets where when I say low carbohydrates, I'm talking about eating less than 60 or 50 grams of carbohydrates per day, which is very, very little and going on a carb-controlled diet. So a carb-controlled diet is a much higher carbohydrate diet where again, you're not eating all the carbs, but you're also not super restrictive. You're eating just the right amount, and that's usually really helpful for PCOS. So being on a carb-controlled diet is not like keto. It's not like cutting out all carbs and counting grams and things like that. It's just a really fine-tuned way to have a good balance in your diet with carbohydrates, with other things, but carbohydrates play a huge role. We can't ignore the fact that we do wanna watch carbohydrates um, because hormone balance is really based off of sugar balance. Blood sugar balance is impacted by carbohydrates. So when we eat carbs, our blood sugar fluctuates throughout the day and that secrete, um, causes a secretion of insulin. So if you're struggling with insulin resistance, you know that you have to look at carbohydrates. You can't, like I said in the beginning, be like, okay, I'm just gonna eat whatever I want. I'm, I, I can have you know chips and cookies and cakes and still balance my hormones or even healthy carbs like, oatmeal and sweet potatoes. I feel like I've talked about sweet potatoes all week long because this is something that really fires me up where people think they can just eat sweet potatoes and you know if it's a healthy carb, they can eat it or there's only one healthy carb. No, it's more sophisticated than that. You need to be more sophisticated in your approach to treating PCOS, otherwise you're gonna burn out, okay? So we don't wanna burn out, we don't wanna feel like it's hard work, 
You want to learn it one time and then be able to use it for the rest of your life. That's what's going to give you food freedom. That's what's really going to help you stop feeling anxious about food, stop feeling like food controls you. I had a client the other day who said, I can't make the right choice. I feel like every choice of food that I make is wrong because of everything that I'm exposed to. You don't want to feel this way. So you want to learn it. You want to implement it, get practice under your belt, and then you never have to learn it again. It will already be ingrained in you, which is a beautiful thing. So I feel like I started this <laughs> train of thought with a different idea and I ended up here. But what I wanted to say is that Truly, um, to truly balance your hormones, you have to look at carbohydrates. You have to be strategic with them. Okay, so Kayla, hi Kayla. You, when you think about carbohydrates, you think about simple versus complex. You did keto for a month, then you found out I was pregnant and you quit. Congratulations. Well, I, do you think keto has helped you? A lot of women find that keto does help with their hormones, um, but I wanna know if you plan to go back on keto, what was your approach with that? All right. Let's dive into the five strategies that are going to help you to add carbohydrates into your day in a healthy, good way. The first thing is you have to understand standard serving sizes. And when I say serving sizes, I mean you have to understand what is the amount of carbohydrates that is correct to eat from a certain food group. So when we talk about carbohydrates, let's take a step back. We're not just talking about chips and crackers and cookies and cakes and candy. We're talking about fruit and beans and of course grains and bread and pasta and potatoes and a lot of different foods, including some vegetables like corn and peas that contain carbohydrates. We wanna understand what is the correct amount to eat of each one of these food groups. How does that food how much of that food can I eat as a serving of carbohydrates, okay? And that's gonna vary from one food to the next. So you have to educate yourself about what that may look like. So I'll give you an example. In my program and with women that I work with, I help them to understand carbohydrates using an exchange system, which basically means we learn that a slice of bread is equivalent to a third of a cup of cooked rice, is equivalent to half a cup of beans, is equivalent to a cup of roasted butternut squash. So we have to be able to shift between different foods and adjust the serving sizes to really make sure that we're eating the right amount. Now that's not to say that you can only eat one slice of bread or a third of a cup of rice, that's only equal to one serving. We learn how to incorporate multiple servings into your meals and into your day and that's where the carb tolerance comes in. So, but you have to first start with knowing, okay, I wanna add five servings of carbs to my day. What's one serving? What's two servings? What does that look like in terms of food? It's not always the case that a piece of food is a serving. So let's take a bagel, for example. A bagel is not one serving of carbs, it's four servings of carbs. So if I wanna add four servings into my day and I ate a bagel, I don't have much left. Now four servings is very little. Most women eat much more than that, but I'm just giving you an example where you wanna know what is one serving so you can kind of space out the carbs throughout your day evenly, which we're gonna talk about, and make sure that you're not eating under or over what the right amount for you is. So hopefully this makes sense. Now, I wanna make sure that you know where to go and how to identify the right portions and servings, 
and the way that you would do it the easiest way to do it is first to look at labels any food that has a package will tell you how many servings of carbohydrates are in that food so without getting into too much detail this is all stuff that i teach in a lot more detail in my program but one serving of carbohydrates is about 15 grams so when you look at the label and you see that a food has 45 grams of carbs for one serving that tells you there are three servings of carbs in that food okay so if this is getting confusing put your questions into the chat but i just want to give you an idea that the label is actually a great place to start it's going to guide you it's going to give you more kind of concrete numbers to work with and so you can really educate yourself and get a lot of information from the food label and that's a great place to start. The other thing that you can do is to become familiar with just standard serving sizes. Like I said, most slices of bread, one serving. Most pieces of fruit, one serving. Most um, beans, half a cup is one serving. So you can kind of you know, think about the foods that you eat most frequently and identify the amounts of carbohydrates or the portions that will give you one serving and you can start building from there. Now, it doesn't have to be an exact science. It doesn't have to be like you're tallying up, um, I was gonna say points because Weight Watchers is always something that comes to mind, but you don't have to be tallying up grams or calories or necessarily really getting like with a calculator exact science on it. I don't believe that's a good healthy approach to have. This is why educating yourself, practicing this, looking at labels, increasing your awareness really can help. It can teach you a lot. So it's not all or nothing. If you're someone who tends to become obsessive, please note that there's a way to do this without becoming obsessive, without feeling like you're now bogged down with all the numbers and really trying to get the exact number that you need of servings dialed in. That's not a good approach to have. Um, let me go back in the chat and see what Kayla is saying and some other people who are here. Uh, it was four years ago and it worked, but I'm not doing it again. Okay. All right. Indy says, I felt that way too. I have two small kids, so I hide their snacks in the back and healthy options in the front and also use my portion cups to portion my food. Okay, good. All right, Sadie is here. Hi, Sadie. So excited to start building meals. Yes, using the balanced meal builder. Yes, Sadie and I met yesterday. Good. I'm excited for you to. I'm excited to see what you come up with. All right, Aman. Um, I hope I'm saying your name correctly. Food guides which use tennis ball size as an example has confused me since I was a kid. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. And now when you look at these uh, papers, they have things that don't exist anymore, like a CD or they would have things like, some of them used to have a, a, a radio cassette, and I've had clients that are like, what is this? And I was like, that's a radio cassette. I'm dating myself, but <laughs> this used to be a thing. You're right, they're, they're outdated. I don't particularly like them. They're helpful for some. Here's the thing, everyone learns differently. Everyone needs different visuals, different approaches. So if you're, and this is another problem with diet, they give you one way. So if you're not resonating with that way, or if it confuses you, you're kind of lost, you get stuck. Um, so this is why, you know, I like to use different visuals, different approaches. Everyone will kind of, you know, something will click for you that doesn't click for someone else. You want options. 
how many 15 gram servings should I aim for in a day? That's a good question. Go back and listen to the podcast that I did um, this week about carb tolerance. Everyone's gonna be different. I'm gonna say a really good place to start for most people, and this is gonna be very general, is somewhere around 45 grams per meal. So that would be three 15 gram servings. So that's a really good place to start and you can tweak from there based on how you feel. Um, again, not knowing every, anything about you, it's hard for me to say, but most women can start with 45 and adjust from there. So that would be three servings. So for example, for your breakfast, and it's gonna sound like a lot, but it's actually not a lot, you're gonna, if you're gonna aim for three servings, you can do a slice of bread, a cup of fruit, and maybe you know a small serving of oatmeal, like a third of a cup dry of oatmeal. I know it sounds like a lot, but it actually is the right amount for most women. It's not that much. Now, if you're eating a bagel, like I said before, that's over. That Most bagels are around uh, 60 grams of carbs, so that would be four servings. Okay, hopefully this makes sense. All right, so that was just number one, okay? Understanding serving sizes, very, very important. The second thing is prioritizing your high fiber carbohydrates. I cannot express the importance of fiber in your diet in general and for PCOS in particular. So you've all heard that fiber helps with regularity because we see those Activia commercials. Fiber does so much more than that, especially for hormones. So if you're not eating enough fiber, you're running the risk of having too much, too much estrogen in your system because estrogen is eliminated um, through the liver, but also through poop, okay? So we wanna make sure that we have enough fiber so that we're pooping a nice good poop regularly every single day, okay? The, I'm not gonna get into this, maybe we'll do another live about poop, but my kids know I love talking about poop. It's very, very important that you um, make sure your poop is a healthy one. And we can talk about what a healthy poop looks like if you want, but we're not gonna do it today. That's a whole other topic, but it's a very important indicator of how your hormones are doing, how your body is doing, and estrogen is eliminated through poop. And if you're constipated or if you're not pooping regularly, or maybe you have different times of the month where your digestive system works better than other times, you may have an issue with estrogen. Estrogen could accumulate, which causes things like PMS and a lot of other symptoms that you may be experiencing. So we definitely wanna take care of that. And one of the best way to do that, ways to do that is with fiber. Fiber also helps with gut health, okay? So when you eat a diversity of fibers in your diet, and we're gonna talk about where fiber comes from, the bacteria in your gut is gonna thrive. It's gonna grow the good guys, which is what we want. The good bacteria in your gut is gonna thrive. It's gonna make sure your gut lining is intact. It doesn't become permeable. When your gut lining becomes permeable, it's what we call leaky gut. A lot of digestive um, material and also bacteria can go into your bloodstream and that can cause inflammation. So if you're dealing with symptoms of inflammation like acne, joint pain, frequent colds, um, digestive problems, um, a lot of people deal with things like hives or eczema, those are all signs of inflammation, in addition, of course, to belly fat and migraines. So all of that usually comes from the gut. And 
fiber can really help with that. You wanna make sure your gut is nice and strong and healthy, and you wanna diversify the types of fiber that you're eating. So what we don't wanna be doing is take Benefiber into a glass of water, mix it in and drink that and check off a box that I had fiber. We wanna get it from food, and it's important to know that fiber only comes from plants. So there's never gonna be a yogurt that has fiber where it's, it's naturally occurring. So if you see a yogurt with fiber, it's not, it wasn't there to begin with. That's synthetic fiber that was added in because a lot of people try to get fiber, so the companies are like, all right, let's shove fiber into every possible food that we can. You wanna go with sources that had fiber naturally, originally, and those are always gonna be plants. And generally speaking, I know a lot of people think about vegetables as a good source of fiber. They are okay, they're not the best, okay? So yesterday I spoke to someone and she said, I eat a lot of fiber, I eat salad. And I said, you know, salad doesn't really have a lot of fiber. Greens, lettuce, whatever type of bed for your salad that you're using, usually doesn't have even one or two grams of fiber. So we tend to think that all vegetables are high. That's not really the case. Most fiber would come from grains, okay? Things like oats and rice and quinoa and bulgur wheat and things like that. From beans and legumes, okay? So your chickpeas and white beans, black beans, lentils, and then from some vegetables. So, you know, your cruciferous vegetables specifically are going to be important for this. So Brussels sprouts, broccoli, okay? So you wanna make a concerted effort to not just rely on vegetables, but to have a very wide range of fibers in your diet. And you wanna make sure that you're increasing it in every single meal. Every one of your meals should contain a good high fiber food, okay? So if you're currently not doing this, you're gonna to wanna to do it gradually because if you add a lot of fiber quickly, that's a recipe for a lot of backup, a lot of digestive issues. Fiber also always, always goes hand in hand with water. So you wanna add a lot of water if you're gonna increase your fiber intake. So, you know, I'm gonna say your best bet is to focus on some vegetables, but mostly ones that are not processed, okay? So, um, Yesterday I spoke to someone, I keep referring to yesterday because it was a very interesting day. I had a lot of people talk to me about different things and someone said, well, you know, if I drink V8 juice, can I count that as vegetables? Not really, not in my book at least. I mean, I know it says there are X number of servings of vegetables on the can, but here's what happens. You're losing all the fiber, that food has been processed right so they took a certain amount of vegetables and made them into a juice and that goes for smoothies and other juices that you do as well you want to be careful because sometimes you know eating the actual fruit or the actual vegetables that have gone into the smoothie or juice is much more beneficial because it's higher volume you're likely you know getting a lot more fiber if it's something like v8 i'm pretty sure a lot of the fiber has been stripped and the way they do this is by peeling the vegetables. When you peel vegetables, a lot of the fiber goes away. So you want things that are as minimally processed as possible. You want things that are gonna give you big volume. And if you can keep the peel on fruits and vegetables, that's even better, extra bonus there.
but your main goal is again look at labels switch some of your snacks some of your choices into higher fiber choices and you're going to feel a lot differently your hormones are going to fall into balance and it can really help reduce your insulin as well because fiber slows down the release of insulin which is always our goal my main goal is to really help women reduce insulin resistance with food and it can be done so you don't have to use a medication you don't even have to use supplements sometimes to manage your insulin resistance it can all be done with food and fiber plays a huge role in that okay all right, moving on. I have my notes here. Okay, this one you've probably heard before and I know that you are probably already doing it, but I wanna reiterate it. Always, always pair a carbohydrate with a fat and a protein. Carbs don't like to be lonely, who does, right? So you wanna make sure that if you're eating something like fruit or crackers or even pretzels, all of those things could fit into your day beautifully, but you don't want to eat them on their own because there's not going to be anything to oppose the spike in blood sugar. So when we eat fruit or carbs of other sort alone, your blood sugar is going to spike too fast. Okay. And that again is going to really demand a lot of insulin right away. We don't want that. We want to reduce the demand for insulin. We want to make sure that if your body's releasing insulin, it's doing it like in drips not in a fire hose kind of way. So when you're pairing your carbs with fat and protein, you're, you're blocking that spike and that's what we want. Especially if you have a lot of cravings or you tend to get hungry between meals, you're probably not pairing your food properly. So let's take some examples of what not to do first and then I'll show you how to um, modify it to make it better. Sometimes I have people who will eat cereal or oatmeal with fruit or if they have cereal they do it with milk and then they have maybe a glass of juice there's too many carbohydrates in that meal cereal milk actually contains carbs as well the fruit of course and then juice overkill there's too many carbohydrates in that one breakfast same thing with oatmeal if someone's adding um you know oatmeal with fruit and dried fruit or something like that too many carbohydrates that's not a good combination that's going to spike your blood sugar way high the other thing that i see a lot in the summer is people will eat barbecue chicken and an ear of corn and baked beans and maybe a little scoop of macaroni salad too many carbohydrates on that plate so we do have the chicken that's okay but there's still too many carbs in one sitting you want to space it out and what you also want to do is take away maybe the fruit or the dried fruit from your oatmeal and replace it with a fat. So maybe we do almonds, maybe we do walnuts, maybe we add flax seeds, which are a really great PCOS superfood. Maybe we don't do any of that and we have um, scrambled eggs or a hard boiled egg on the side. So now I've shifted the composition of this meal. I don't have all these carbs in one sitting. I'm still having my oatmeal because I like it, but I'm adding something that's gonna block the spike in blood sugar so I don't have to eat again after an hour or two. I don't know if anyone who's here ever, ever had cereal and then felt hungry an hour later or even oatmeal and then felt hungry an hour later. As filling as it may be as you're eating it, if you're getting hungry or getting cravings an hour or two later and that meal doesn't hold you over for at least three to four hours, it's probably because it didn't do good for your blood sugar. So that's a really, really common thing that happens all the time. So carbs don't like to be lonely, pair them with a fat or a protein, 
you'll feel a lot differently. Okay, moving on to number four, and then I'll check back into the chat. So if you have any comments or questions, put them in there. The fourth one, fourth one which I already touched upon is space out your carbs evenly throughout the day. So say you've discovered your carb tolerance, say you're doing well with that, but you know that in your entire day, you can eat 10 servings of carbohydrates. We don't wanna eat eight of them in one meal. So if you tend to have, you know, if you didn't eat carbs all day long and then you sit down to a bowl of spaghetti, that's probably not the best thing for your hormones. So you can take your carbs and spread them out evenly throughout the day. You're gonna feel better, your appetite will be better managed, and your body will be able to burn off those carbs really quickly. When we give the body a huge dose of carbs in one sitting, it doesn't know what to do with it. And I'm gonna tell you what happens. It takes some of the carbs, burns them off for energy, uses them up for whatever is needed, and then the vast majority of the carbs that are left are gonna be stored as fat. The body is actually very smart, not the kind of smart that we want, but this is what the body does. It's gonna say, okay, I don't need all, all these carbs, I only need this much, I'm gonna take what I need, use it up, and then everything else that's left, I'm gonna convert it to fat and store it for later because I don't know when the next meal is coming or whatever. This is especially true if you skip meals, if you eat very few carbs throughout the day, your body is gonna be programmed to store carbs when they're coming in as fat. And of course we don't want that because once something is put into storage as fat, it's very hard to get it out of that storage. Okay, the body doesn't wanna take it out of storage. The body wants to hold on to it in case it will need it some other time. So I don't know if you knew this, but we can actually, our body can actually take carbohydrates and totally convert them, change them chemically and store them as fat in fat tissue. And again, if your insulin's high, if your inflammation is high, it's gonna go right here in the midsection. It's gonna go right in the belly. And that's hard to mobilize. That's fat that's hard to then take out of that storage. So we don't wanna overload, we don't wanna eat too many carbs in one sitting, we wanna space them out nice and even so the body takes it, burns it off, and there's nothing else left, okay? Nothing else is left for storage. That's, by the way, how you start burning fat because whatever then is gonna get needed, if there's not extra, the body's gonna tap into the fat storage to get the extra. It's exactly like a regular storage facility, right? If I were to store, I don't know, paper towels, it's probably not the best example, but that's what I have in mind right now. I put some, this is real, I put some under my sink and some in my basement. If I only put one in under my sink, I'm gonna have to go down to the basement and get it. I don't wanna go down there, that's a hassle. So I store a lot of it under my sink and I keep taking from there so I never tap into my storage in the basement. It's the same thing, you wanna force your body to tap into the long-term storage, the hard to get to storage. That's your fat storage, okay? So hopefully this made sense. All right, let's jump into the chats. The chats, the chats, the chat. All right, uh, Krista, you're saying I had been doing 20% carbs, that's very low, 40% protein and 30 fat, and I found that I was no longer starving in between meal. I saw your recommendation for higher carbs, so I tried 40 to 50 coming from carbs um, and 20 from protein, 30 from fat, and immediately I had cravings again. 
Did you find some people do a lesser carb or just need to find a better way to pair it? Yeah, it could be the types of carbs that you're eating. It could be the timing. It could be the fiber. It could be that, you know, um, you're not having the right amounts. So there's a lot of factors that could be going into it. If you feel better and you feel like it's sustainable to eat 20% carbs, go for it. I mean, a lot of people, you know, will find different approaches work differently at different times. So maybe right now it's easy for you to stick with. And over time you can, once you hit your goals, you can shift it for something more liberalized. I don't know much about you to say if this is right for your body and your symptoms, but if something's working for you, if you feel it's sustainable and your symptoms are subsided, then you can, you can stick with it. I'm curious to know why did you want to change um, if it was working well. So let me know. Is there such a thing as too much fiber? I eat quite a lot of fibrous food generally and for a long time I still have constipation often. Um, yes, there is a lot, there is such a thing. You could definitely have too much fiber in your system and things get kind of clogged and backed up. Um, I actually have a great podcast episode with um, a digestive health expert coming up about this. So it could be the amount of water that you're taking in. It could also be the type of fiber that you're taking in. You may need to focus more on insoluble fiber, um, which is usually the roughage in food and really have a lot of that in order to move things through. So it is possible. Also, you know, you want to look at the fat intake. You may want to eat a little bit more fat because that helps with digestion as well. Um, you always pair the carbs with a fat or a protein. Okay, great. So if it's working for you, then stick with it. I think there's no need to fix something if it's not broken. Um, Christine says you can't eat eggs or chicken. Are you allergic? Let me know. Um, can taking chromium help with meta to metabolize carbs? Yes, chromium will help with carb metabolism, with blood sugar control, um, and um, magnesium as well. So. You know, if you're dealing with constipation and you also want to take care of cravings, magnesium can be a great supplement to take. Um, I have a lot of women whose lives have actually changed with magnesium. So, uh, but chromium is good too. There are a lot of different supplements that help with blood sugar control. I see that you have a lot of questions, all of you also in my Instagram and here about supplements. So I think that's the next topic we're going to tackle. Okay. All right, let's go to the fifth way to optimize your carb intake. We talked so far, let's recap. We talked about getting familiar with portion sizes and serving sizes. We talked about prioritizing high fiber carbohydrates. We talked about spacing carbs evenly throughout the day, and we talked about pairing. The fifth thing I wanna tell you is a little bit of a more advanced strategy, and that's to taper off the amount of carbs that you're eating throughout the day, okay? So this means that we're starting with a higher carbohydrate intake in, at breakfast, and then a little less at lunch, and a little less at dinner. So usually I call this three, two, one, where we eat three servings for breakfast, two servings for lunch, one serving for dinner. This can really help with hormone um, imbalances because in the morning is where our insulin is most active. It's most ready to receive those carbohydrates and calories. And later on in the day, it kind of slows down. So if you're eating a huge meal of carbs in the evening, it's probably not gonna get processed well because insulin is already in shutdown mode. It's already reduced 
at night. Insulin is most active when it's light outside. So believe it or not, our hormones really correspond with daytime and nighttime cycles. So when it's light outside, when the sun is out, or even on a cloudy day, your insulin is gonna work best early in the day when it's light outside, and it's gonna start slowing down its activity toward the evening. So we wanna make sure that dinner is more protein, more vegetables, and a little bit of carbohydrates. That usually helps. Now, if you get hungrier, this pattern doesn't work with your schedule, don't do it, right? So this works well for people who don't have a super long day, um, and they can kind of fit their meals within say a 10 or 12 hour window, usually that can work. So you can taper off the carbs throughout the day, you eat most of them early, least of them late at night, and then you're fine. You can add a nighttime snack, but it could be something like maybe a handful of nuts or something like that that's more fat or protein, not so much you know, chips and pretzels and things like that. So that's the fifth way a little bit of a more advanced strategy. I would say for sure focus first on the other things we talked about. If you haven't listened to this week's podcast episode, go and check that out for sure because this builds on top of it. But at the end of the day, you have to do what works for your body. You have to do what feels best for you and you have to watch your symptoms and your labs and how you're feeling to understand if something is right for you. There is not gonna be one right approach for every single person. Everyone is different, every body is different. So even though everyone here in this group has PCOS, everyone's PCOS is different. And I talked about this last week with the PCOS types. It is a syndrome, meaning it's an umbrella of different conditions and symptoms and risk factors. So you really have to know what's gonna work best for you. And the only way to know that is to listen to your body and see how your symptoms respond to what you're doing. Um, Let me go back into the chat. Let me know if other questions come up about any of this. Um, Any suggestions for vegan protein to pair with carbs? Yeah, so vegan and vegetarian diets are a little bit more tricky because the proteins usually contain some carbs. So I would say you can focus on pairing it mostly with fats, so nuts, seeds like pumpkin, sunflower. You can do um, unsweetened coconut flakes. You can do things like chia or flax seeds. Um, You can definitely do avocados. Um, But in terms of protein, you can definitely focus more on lentils, chickpeas, split peas, um, edamame, so soybeans, tofu and tempeh. Those would be the highest protein sources for vegans. So it's a little bit trickier. You wanna be more strategic with the other parts of your diet in terms of the carbs, but you can't go wrong with pairing it with a healthy fat. So nuts and seeds, olives, avocados, some coconut, those are really great options, okay? Any other questions for me? Any any comments that you wanna share? Um, I am going to talk about supplements coming up, I think next week, I'm not sure, I'll have to see how this works into my plan and into my schedule as far as my content, but I wanted to talk all about carbs this week and make sure that you understand not to eliminate them completely, to be very strategic with them, and to use some of these tips and strategies to really 
mend your relationship with food. We don't want to eliminate carbs to the point where it becomes this forbidden fruit and then we binge, right? We overeat or we start feeling really deprived, okay? That's not a good mentality to be in. That's not a good headspace to be in, um, which is hugely important, right? You want to feel good. Like I said in the beginning, if you're struggling through this, something's got to change because you don't want to live your life in a way that feels restrictive. Okay. So that's my main message to you. Go check out this week's episode if you haven't already done so. And then I'd love to hear from you what you thought about today's training. If there's any questions that have come up for you, so you can leave a chat right here and you can also DM me on Instagram. All right. I'm going to see you here again next week. Bye for now.